Idea Brew Studios presents All Indians Matter in depth. There is an indefinable, mysterious power that pervades everything. I feel it, though I do not see it. It is this unseen power which makes itself felt and yet defies all proof because it is so unlike all that I perceive through my senses. It transcends the senses, but it is possible to reason out the existence of God to a limited extent. Even in ordinary affairs, we know that people do not know who rules or why and how he rules. And yet, they know that there is a power that certainly rules. Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer and this is the final episode of our six-part conversation on Mahatma Gandhi's killing with Tushar Gandhi, great-grandson of the Mahatma and president of the Mahatma Gandhi Foundation. He is also the author of the book Let's Kill Gandhi, a chronicle of Gandhi's last days, the conspiracy, murder, investigations and trial. In part five, we spoke about the myths and theories designed to confuse people about the assassination. In this episode, we will talk about why Gandhi matters even today, especially for the youth. Tushar, why is the truth about Gandhi's killing important today? Ashraf, I believe that truth is timeless. There is no use by date for truth. And that's why it is very important that when you know the truth, you must tell that truth to people because people who forget the truth or abandon the truth or ignore are ignorant of the truth are bound to commit the mistakes of the past which finally end up damaging the collective goodwill goodness of all the people and so i believe very strongly that since i have equipped myself with the truth it becomes my duty to tell it as i know it to people and that's where this entire knowledge is also continuously evolving it uh, while we recorded this i told you that another truth was revealed to me just two days back and fortunately because the reprint of my book has not still gone into print i was able to incorporate that into the book so the readers would get that because the the other side is continuously cooking up theories to spread misinformation and so there it's equally important that the people who know the truth and who are honest enough to not decorate the truth or spice it up for uh, effect must also tell it with equal conviction and uh, strength and why is it particularly important to tell this truth to those who still believe in godse's philosophy because babu's martyrdom was the only thing that set them back and maybe if we can tell the truth we equal conviction we will be able to shake this nation out of the insanity of hate which we see it being gripped with where love jihad becomes a national importance where uh, gauraksha Gau becomes a not only a religious action but a patriotic action and implying by it hatred for a particular community hatred for the muslims i think the truth is the only cure for this deep seated malice that is uh, gripping our nation did you and your family try to meet with godse's family and if yes what happened this still confounds me ashraf this uh, why we went and met gopal godse is beyond my comprehension even now but i was a kid at that time and i had no say in what 
my family decided this was in the early 70s i was hardly about 10 or maybe 11 years old at that time my grandmother sushila ben came back from uh, south africa and she was staying with us and one day she told my father that she wished to go and meet gopal godse gopal godse had been released from his life imprisonment by then gopal godse is nathuram's brother and a co-accused in the gandhi murder case who had been sentenced to life imprisonment and in india at that time life imprisonment meant 14 years minus remissions and good behavior and all that so gopal had been released in the late 60s and he was just settling down into normal life with his family in pune and my grandmother expressed the desire to go and meet them now the only reason why i think my grandmother wanted to do that was to convey to them that the family of their victim held no hard feelings against them held no anger against them or any desire for revenge against them and so my father obliged his mother and we drove the whole family drove down to pune generally our ritual used to be that when we went to pune the first stop was aga khan palace to go to ba and mahadev kaka's uh, samadhis the memorials to kasturba and mahadev desai bapu's secretary who had died during the imprisonment in aga khan palace and pay our respects to the two memorials and then go about whatever else we had to do and this time also we did the same thing but this time after the visit to the aga khan palace we went to the godse residence and we met gopal godse and his wife sindutai and pleasantries were exchanged and a few uh, civilized uh, little civilized dialogue was carried out and uh, we left and that was the end of it and i just couldn't understand why we were doing that because i didn't see any remorse on the part of gopal or his family again about the act they had committed i did not hear any expressions of regret about what they had done or even sympathy from them for the family for the grief that they had uh, subjected the family to and while growing up i just couldn't understand what was the reason that we had to do that now that i'm hopefully wise i believe that the intention was to let them know that uh, we held no anger for them but now that i am wise i also want to make it clear that i wasn't party to that family decision i still hold anger against them my book is a result of that anger that i have bottled up inside me i thought by writing the book and by sharing this information like this with people i would be able to expunge that information from my system but because the campaign of misinformation against gandhi and the justification of his murder continues the resentment also continues and this is an effort to go beyond it so i couldn't understand why we did it but we did it at that time and later on when gopal started becoming a public figure and became the icon of the gandhi murder he used to boast about the fact and he used to claim that the gandhi family only came to visit me because they appreciated what we had done and uh, they agreed with what we had done and things um, of course the warp mentality of a murderer would always think that way there was another incident also in his old age when my friend priya tendulkar invited both me and gopal godse to appear on her show priya tendulkar show to talk about the murder and things and after the shoot was over in those days we used to have those lapel mics and uh, 
for some quaint reason they had entwined the wire of the lapel mic in the chair of the in the leg of the chair we were sitting in before lapeling us and when pack up was announced uh, because the attendants were busy with everything else nobody came to unmic us and gopal being impatient and an old man he tried to get up and walk off without realizing that he was still bound with the chair and that small tug was enough to set him off balance and i realized that he was going to fall because of that and instinctively i rushed to his aid and i caught hold of him and i uh, not fall and regain his balance and ensured that gopal was secure and safe but there were press photographers present on the set at that time and so this action was photographed and splashed in the newspapers with the headlines that uh, the great grandson helps the murderer and gopal made hay of it he actually framed that photograph and uh, claimed that the action was out of admiration for him that the great grandson also admired his great grandfather's murderer because at that time gopal had started claiming that he was also a murderer and as important in the conspiracy and all that and when that happened i really felt that i should have just watched him fall and break a few bones instead of being humane enough in trying to safeguard a frail old man but that was their that kind of warped belief the self righteousness of them that they were grasping at every straw that they could clutch do you feel bad about feeling that way about gopal almost falling gopal goats almost falling it's not very gandhian is it uh it's not gandhian it's i don't claim to be a gandhian also i am a normal human being but in my heart i knew i would never allow the old man to fall and hurt himself what was naturam goatse without gandhi an insecure man one who looked upon himself as a failure all his life was perhaps driven by the need to be known to make a mark for himself in whatever warped way possible indeed the only reason godse is remembered or mentioned today is because he attached himself to the gandhi story by killing him godse has no relevance without gandhi this is evidence enough of the defeat of the ideology that drove godse Tushar has your view of Nathuram Godse evolved over time I have understood the man I have understood his need a failure all his life his fame claim to fame is in that one action of his life of murdering Gandhi and I know that it is a irrefutable fact of time that whenever Gandhi will be mentioned his assassin will always be linked with his identity and so the only importance of Nathuram Godse is in being a murderer and that is inescapable and unavoidable let's get a little personal here what was your home like growing up what are the conversations at home and what what are they like today well uh, the conversation because in my childhood our home was a uh, sort of a transit camp for a lot of gandhians and eminent gandhians ministers of the government and big luminaries would drop in uh, at our home because we were the descendants of gandhi and the home in mumbai so we had people like raja ji and we had other acharya kripalani and many others i have played in the laps of khan abdul gafar khan and uh, people like them and so i had a kind of a knowledge of the historicity of the, those times i used to listen into adult talks about uh, life in sevagram and the period to uh, to the uh, during the end of bapu's life and the period of independence and the 
early years of India, the ministry, Congress ministries and things like that. So I grew up listening to many important facts. I remember on one occasion sitting in Pandit Nehru's lap at the Raj Bhavan in Mumbai because he had ordered my father that whenever he was in town, he would spend some time, he would like to spend some time with the family and my father was ordered that he was to bring the family to Panditji. So we would all make it a, he, you know, Panditji's office would inform us when was it was convenient. And then all four of us would troop to wherever he was and spend some time with. And Panditji during that time, nothing could distract him or dissuade him from being with us. So I have those kind of vague memories of, that was very, very early childhood. I think I remember it more because it was told to me so many times in my childhood that I still, I feel actually as if I remember those moments. But that was the kind of upbringing in the other, when I started understanding things, I also used to hear the snatches of the curious confusion of the family about the murder and questions being raised and talked about and answers not being found about how that could have happened and especially because the Kapoor Commission was in session. My father would come back, he was a journalist as that, at that time and he was deputed to cover the sitting of the Kapoor Commission in Mumbai. And so every evening when he came back home, he would be talking about the day's proceedings uh, at the Kapoor Commission and the information brought about and he would be filing his reports and things. So I would, somewhere in my subconscious, all that registered. And it, it, it created a lot of confusion because in my teenage, the voices of justifying the murder were getting louder and louder. And uh, again, in my youth, in my 20s, I was expected to defend Gandhi. You know, all the accusations would be aimed at me, even today. They'll throw challenges to me and say, uh, iska kya, iska kya? You know, what about this, what about this? So I am sort of expected to defend my great-grandfather. I have never felt the urge to defend my great-grandfather because I believe that he is much bigger than anybody like me to be capable of defending him or needing to defend him. But I believe that the truth must be told fearlessly. And so I keep repeating that and that has become my nature. And I believe that this quest about garnering the truth, even after writing this big, huge book, I haven't been able to... I'm still reading the Gauba book as curiously and marking out details that I'm finding in there too. So the quest is ongoing. Tushar, today, Prime Minister Narendra Modi and the BJP make a big deal about honouring Gandhi. Now, but these are also the same people who believe in the RSS philosophy. And the RSS uh, philosophy is pretty much ties in, or at least in large parts ties into that of the Hindu Mahasabha. Uh, what do you make of it? I also want you to talk a little bit about uh, simultaneously. There is an attempt to paint Godse as this great patriot, to normalize his thinking, to even make him a hero. I think there was also some report about some temple being dedicated to him and all that. So what do you make about all of this? You see, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the Gandhi worship. The Gandhi worship has been reduced to a mere ritual and it's not only done by the Sangh. It was the practice had become official in Indian politics that there were two dates to be associated with Gandhi and we had to do the rituals and forget about it. Even amongst the people, you know, that we were to do the rituals and forget about it. Even amongst those who claimed to be his followers. So when these pretenders came into power, the Hindi proverb is now become the practice. Mume Ram Bagal Mechuri. 
आई हैटेड इट टू जुबा पे गांधी दिल में नथुरा विच मीन्स दैट गांधी इज ऑन द टिप ऑफ माई टंग बट इन माई हार्ट बीट हिज मर्डर रिसाइड्स दैट इज द एग्जैक्ट एंड ऑनेस्ट डिस्क्रिप्शन ऑफ नरेंद्र मोदी ही क्लेम्स दैट ही इज पेंड by the statement that nathuram godse is a great patriot who should be worshiped but he continues to sit in the front bench of the segment of parliament where in the next exact row behind him the member of parliament who said this in public sits as an mp and this is this is what uh, the claimed worship of gandhi is all so sir i want to take you back a little bit in time Gandhi seems to have had a premonition about his killing in which he described to his grandniece uh, Manubain tell us about this in the last years of his life Gandhi had talked about his death and the kind of death he wished to have on many occasions this was brought about initiated by the sense of betrayal he felt while traveling through the riot ravaged districts of Noakhali and Bihar and then Calcutta and Delhi and just kept increasing and this was that was the time till then he was always talking about living for 125 years there's a incident after a failed attempt on his life when he was in pune in his post prayer speech he talked about the last failed attempt which was an attempt to sabotage the train that he was traveling in on the ghat section towards pune and he mentioned that and he said you know people have been continuously trying to murder me and i have escaped by the grace of god and then he in his light uh, flippant manner he says you know but i'd like to inform those people that i am going to live to 125 years i'm not going to die that easily so they should not waste their effort and in response a few days later at a public meeting organized by the hindu mahasabha nathuram godse got onto the dais and he said in marathi गांधी म्हणतात की ते एकशे पंचवीस वर्ष जगतील पण त्यांना तेवढं जगू कोण देते मीनिंग मथुराम सेट दॅट गांधी सेज दॅट ही प्रोक्लेम दॅट ही इज गोन टू लिव्ह टील वन हंड्रेड अँड ट्वेंटी फायव्ह इयर्स ऑफ एज बट हू इज गोन टू अलाव हिम टू लिव्ह दॅट लॉंग अँड दिस वॉज वन ऑफ द मीटिंग्स दॅट वॉज मेन्शन्ड बाय केतकर हु वॉज तिलक्स ग्रँड नेफ्यू इन पुणे ॲट द फंक्शन को टू फेलिसिटेट करकरे अँड गोडसे गोपाल गोडसे ऑन द रिलीज विच लेड टू द कपूर कमिशन बीइंग इन्स्टिट्यूटेड दिस वॉज केतकर सेट लुक नथुराम ॲज फार बॅक ॲज सी फॉर्टी सिक्स हॅड मेन्शन दॅट ही वुड नॉट अलाव गांधी टू लिव्ह दॅट लॉ अँड सो बापू वॉज नॉट अ फेटलिस्ट बट पोस्ट नॉखली अँड बिहार अँड कलकत्ता अँड दिल्ली ही स्टार्टेड टॉकिंग अबाउट डेथ अँड ही स्टार्टेड टॉकिंग अबाउट the kind of death he wanted and finally just about 24 hours before his murder he told uh, he, he had a racking uh, cough and uh, it was very bad and he refused to take medicines for that and when he had those coughing fits he could not sleep so on in on one of those occasions on i think it was on 28th or 29th of january 1948 he told manu he says manu if you know if i am to die by an illness even by a small boil then you must proclaim to the people that i was not a mahatma as they believe me to be a mahatma he said only if i die shot with a bullet and taking that bullet in my chest and as i die with the name of god and without anger for my murderer then you should tell the people that no he was he lived a mahatma and he died a mahatma 
and this was very chillingly close to what actually happened at the time of his murder. You're saying just 24 hours before just, he actually just 24 hours before uh, the and this was recorded in Manu Ben's diaries. Uh, Tushar, tell us about your book Let's Kill Gandhi. Why did you find the need to write it? As I told you, uh, Ashraf, the book was my effort to expunge the venom of anger that was stored in me and was building up in me because of this continuous campaign maligning Bapu and the way it was gaining credibility amongst the youth in present day India. And so I used to feel very annoyed by that and finally I came to the realization that if the lie annoyed me then it was my responsibility to tell the truth and discover the truth. So my quest for the truth took me on the journey of discovering what I finally wrote in the book. And uh, the book is the is my attempt to get rid of that poison of hatred which is in me. I realized after writing the book that I didn't flush the poison out of my system. I still get annoyed, I still get uh, angry about it. I still get emotional when accused, when Bapu is uh, accused of being a traitor. And so the book is a, is a result of that. The title is revolting. Many people have complained to me, why have you uh, named the book thus? It, it is the Banya in me who made, uh, decided on this title because when I was writing the book, the working title was Murder of a Mahatma. And then when I was writing uh, the book, I came to a point where I said, somewhere or the other, the accused would have told one another, no, let's kill Gandhi. And then I found the incident, the Pune railway uh, cafeteria where Nathuram and Apte used to go to have tea and coffee in, where they themselves claimed that the idea came to them. And I said, it must have started with this uh, suggestion, let's kill Gandhi. And so I designed, you know, those were the days of DTP and Corel Draw, and I fancied myself as a graphic designer. So I designed two mock-up cover pages, one with the heading Murder of Mahatma and one with Let's Kill Gandhi. And I used to have my office in Irla at that time. So in the reception area, I prominently displayed these two uh, illustrations. And I noticed that nine out of ten people who came into the office instinctively picked up the cover page Let's Kill Gandhi and only one out of those ten would look at murder of the Mahatma. And I said, this will be the same reaction in a bookshop to my book. And so I said, there's potential to make money out of it. And, <laughs> so that, <laughs> and I was proved right. My book was a bestseller for a short while on the Indian uh, list. It's now it's done four reprints and now it's going into a re-edited reprint. So uh, tell us about the process of writing it. What kind of research went to it? How long? What were your sources? Four years of research and writing. But I must uh, also admit the fact that when I embarked on this journey, I was stonewalled because the, the official secret acts were still in place and a lot of documents were classified as top secret and denied access to and things. The right to information bill had not been uh, uh, made law as yet. It was still being debated in India. I think. So I was stonewalled at many points of reference. But after I decided to embark on this journey, a lot of evidence and records just stumbled into my lap. You know, I would somebody would send me a magazine. I remember there was a very senior journalist called uh, 
Madhur Velluri. He used to, I think he was uh, associated with Business Standard or one of those business magazines, very highly thought of. He died at a young age. And uh, his mother, in his memory, decided to hold an annual uh, lecture by eminent people. And once I was invited to a lecture, and she presented me with a book of interviews published in a book form, Gadan by Madhur Valuri. And as I was reading that book, I came across his interview of Madanlal Pahava post his release, and his interview of Parchure in Gwalior just before his death. And so I got information like that. Then someday, one day I got some other publication which had an interview with Manuben where she narrates the incident of 30th, uh, the afternoon of 30th and things like that. So a lot of it fell in. I get got a, two books which were mothballed and put away in Mani Bhavan when they took it out after denying that their books were there. When they took them out, the cloth bundle in which it was wrapped while opening it, you know, the, one of the asthma patients got an attack. There was so much dust on it. Two decades of dust. The books hadn't been opened. The librarian didn't even know they existed till my persistence got it. And the two books was, one book was a day-to-day -day record of the Redford trial and the police investigations called Gandhi Hatyaka. And the other was uh, English version of the day-to-day -day proceedings of the Redford trial. It was called the Redford trial. Nobody had even bothered to look for them. And suddenly I got access to them. And most of my writings about the trial and the police investigations are based on those books. So a lot of the material fell into my lap also. I don't know who instigated that, but circumstances so happened that I kept stumbling because I'm not a trained researcher. I'm not a disciplined researcher either. I'm not going to go around trying to get substantiation for something that has been told to me. If somebody tells it to me in good faith, I'll say that uh, this is the person who told me this in good faith. I have not bothered to ascertain its facts, but this is what I'm going to write about. You want to believe me, believe me. You don't want to believe me, don't believe me. So I'm not a disciplined researcher, but the, you know, people questioned, especially Gandhi experts questioned why I had to write a book when I had nothing new to tell anybody. Because to those Gandhi scholars, they would have known all these things, no? They had done the studies and things. So they always ridiculed my book and said, what a waste of time, you know, why, why did he have to write it if he didn't have anything new to say? I'm not a conspiracy theory theorist who's going to think up or dream up an imaginary bullet or a fourth gunman or a, 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 a things like that. I was just writing a report and what I ended up doing was what was dispersed over 10,000 documents has now been all gathered together and culled into one book. And that is the surprising aspect of my book for readers. When they read it, they say, oh my God, why were we never Various told narratives have come together, come together to, tell one story. to tell one story. Was it, as you wrote it, was it a very emotional process? Because obviously it's also a personal... It was. Thing. It was an emotional uh, thing and it was like a verbal diarrhea. When I finished uh, writing the book, it, the manuscript was 2,000 pages. I don't envy your editors. <laughs> My editors, I think what they did was beyond certain number of pages, they just discarded <laughs> everything else. <laughs> and they brought it down to the initial volume was 900 pages. And in the re-edit, although I've added information, I've managed to bring it down to less than 500. So, you know, with the loss of weight, 
there is a loss of intellect also the book has shrunk also <laughs> i'm not so sure i'm not so sure you normally feel better after losing weight <laughs> but sushal i'm going to come down to the perhaps the two most important questions of the day perhaps the reason we are doing these episodes in the first place why is gandhi relevant today the most important reason is we are hurtling down into the abyss of hatred as we were hurtling down into the abyss of hatred pre 1948 from if you look at it from 45 to 47 india was an inferno of hatred you know on the verge of reducing itself to ashes and it was gandhi's sacrifice that saved that infant state and helped it get onto its feet we are again once again hurtling down into that abyss of hatred even when i wrote this book i have written about it in 2007 but in 2020 it's the inferno is out of control it till then it, in the 90s and the early 2000s the fires were in the distance now those fires have entered our homes it consumes every individual and unfortunately for india today we don't have a gandhi who can sacrifice himself to save us and so the only safeguard against is it is the reminder of the memory of that period and that is why i feel gandhi is most relevant because they killed the man but even they realize that they have not been able to kill the thought of gandhi the ideology of gandhi the place in people's hearts i see that when i go out into the country when i go and meet the real indians the absolute downtrodden and when they come to know who i am who whose descendant i am you know the the greeting i get most often is aapka to pavitra khoon hai aapka to khoon pavitra doesn't matter what kind of a low life i am but my blood is divine that is the belief and i believe that as long as that belief exists if we rekindle the thought of that man maybe it will save save india otherwise hope is lost for india tushar for my generation even and i am a child of the 70s the mid 70s for my generation even gandhi is integral to the idea of india itself but for many young people today he he is merely a distant figure of history what would you tell young people about why gandhi is relevant today the one reason that i would point out immediately is the need for coining a new identity to india why what do you think was the reason to start calling this india new india because the old india is so inexorably linked with gandhi and unless you establish a new identity you can't divest the association with gandhi and that is where the relevance comes in the people who absolutely hate gandhi who are in power today who pretend that they adore and worship him they are so troubled by that legacy of that man that obstinate old man that khadus that they can't live with him at all and so they have to create a new version of the india and i want to prevent that new india i want even if i am the only man who rejects that new india i will keep rejecting that new india because that new india is not the india that was envisioned by the founding founders of this nation and we have to be loyal to the vision of the founders of this nation and that is where gandhi becomes relevant because it was his ideals his ideology which was in the 
foundation of this nation no matter no other i don't believe want to talk about any of the other philosophical things the mere existence of india and india where in a period of crisis you see people even today left hopeless left without support running away for their lives to live because the rest of the indian society doesn't care for them in a india that is becoming more and more or less and less compassionate how do we save the soul of india or will it be a purchasable commodity also like everything else like the new iphone will the idea of india also have every year new model which will be subscribed to and which will be sold at premium to everybody or will it be a cherished ideal that lives in our heartbeats and if that is important then gandhi is unavoidable that's what i believe and when you look at the young people today your children my children i'm talking about 18 year olds 20 year olds 25 year olds essentially the future of this country do you see you see hope ashraf if i have learned anything from the legacy i have inherited is never to give up hope no matter how hopeless it feels i am the guy who always sees the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel when even if it doesn't exist i like to believe it and because i think that only that belief will be able enable me to navigate or negotiate that dark tunnel so i never give up hope and i believe that uh, we rather inconsiderately dismiss the youth today they are not really that uh, irresponsible or uncaring or unknowing absolutely i couldn't agree and so when where there there, there is that kind of compassion it it is our duty to encourage that compassion to become dominant and so i i refuse to give up hope thanks tushar researching this series was among the most moving and soul stirring experiences of my life and that's no exaggeration thank you for taking us on this journey to help us understand one of the key events that have shaped india's history few would know not just such minute details of gandhi's killing but also have such a deep understanding of the implications thank you from the bottom of my heart and thank you all for listening i hope this very special all indians matter series opened your eyes to a key event in post independence india and how it impacts us even today please visit www.allindiansmatter.in that's a l l i n d i a n s m a t e r i n for more columns and audio podcasts you can follow me on twitter at ashraf engineer that's a s h r a f e n g i n w e r and all indians count that's a l l i n d i a n s c o u n t search for the all indians matter page on facebook on instagram the handle is all indians matter write to me at editor at allindiansmatter.in catch you again soon